So I, I know we don't normally do cold opens anymore, but I feel like I need to bring up the fact that after D&D last night, my ca I came home and my parents were both seated in the living room, like intervention style. And they say, hey, Josh, we need to talk. Like, okay, what's up? We had an hour-long conversation about what happens if they both die when they go to Israel next week. <laughs> and, like, the precautions I need to take and who I need to talk to and all that. And I was like, guys, I really don't think you're going to die in Israel. <laughs> yeah, dude, what the hell? Yeah, yeah, it was like an hour-long conversation that, like, was fucking weird and ended with me going, wow, I really like these pep talks. <laughs> You know, these pep talks get me through the week. Yeah, my brother my brother called me today uh, about uh, something he's doing this weekend. And I told him that my parents had the talk with me. Because um, <laughs> I have no better way to refer to it as it's like the adult version of the talk. They, they sat me down, told me about puberty, and then they sat me down again as an adult and told me what the fuck happens if they both die in an airplane crash. Yeah. So I... Uh, yeah, it's the weird. This week's been so fucking bizarre, but like that's definitely like the topper of the bizarre cake. So rather than doing a quote, anytime we have a warning, I'd like that to replace the quote. This episode deals with violence and suicide. Listener discretion is advised. I know some people out there see uh, suicide as a trigger. This isn't the episode for you if that's the case. But today, we are going to be talking about Doki Doki Literature Club. So this is cancer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. First off, you need to realize, I hate this shit. To a degree. I hate this shit until it gets fucking ARG. Then I'm in. But I don't like visual novels. I've, I've played two in my life for the meme of it. For the lols. Like, one I played was a hentai visual novel that I played because there is a really, uh, like, obscure YouTuber I watched once that played it, and I thought it was hilarious. And a couple friends from college and I quoted it all the time. So, so I played it a bit and just laughed the entire time, and the only other one I played was um, Had a Full Boyfriend. Because, the one with the birds. Yeah, which is the one with the birds, and it's a fucking a visual novel for babies. <laughs> but... Uh, so I, and to be perfectly honest, I actually haven't played Doki Doki Literature Club. All of this is coming from consuming hours of it. Yeah, that's pretty much the same with me. I haven't played it, but like when it came out, everybody was fucking going nuts over it and talking about it. So I was like, all right, what the fuck's going on? I just like kind of dove into it. Everybody yelled at me and said, Josh, you would like this. And I go, no, I wouldn't. And they go, no, 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 no. You, you would like this. So I went, okay. This either has Vikings in it or is a horror thing. And since this month is October and we're doing spooky, spooky stuff, um, it's a horror thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so before we dive into this game, um, my co-host is brought to our, my attention. Uh, you may not know who we are. <laughs> um, I'm Josh. I'm Nick. And welcome to Navi Tales. Let's, in spooky month. In spooky month. Ooh. 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 Um, Anyways. So, yeah, I don't... 
like any of this fucking anime shit. I, I've never been a big anime person. I don't know why. But, um, I, I don't like the over-exaggeration of it, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be probably one of the only visual novels we do on this show. Probably. Unless something else similar comes along. But, I will say that as it got more and more meta, I got more and more interested. So, let's start at the baseline. <laughs> Sometimes I put things in here to make me smile and take them out when I'm editing. I missed Not one. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just, it's therapeutic and it, it helps me, especially when I'm frustrated. Five Nights at Freddy involved a lot of editing, so I was able to take out a lot of it. Um, I totally missed the first line. The first line I wrote down when I was angry writing this was, this is some weeb shit that I hate. That's how our, uh, our thing starts. That's literally how our, our script starts. It wasn't supposed to be in the episode, but because it's there, now it is. Now you get it. You play as an unnamed protagonist that is invited by your childhood friend, Sayori, to the high school literature club she attends, probably because you're trying to get laid. The protagonist then meets the other members of the club, Natsuki, Yuri, and the club president, Monica. The protagonist starts to participate in the club's activities, such as writing and sharing poetry, and grows close to the four girls. Many of the poems written by the four girls foreshadow or hint at their troubled home life, Natsuki, or depressed state, Sayori. Whilst preparing for an upcoming school festival, Sayori reveals that she suffers from depression and confesses her love for the protagonist. Same, though. <laughs> you confessed your love for the protagonist, too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's Cause, real cute. Because if I were playing, it'd have been me, and I do love me. I'm just real sad about her all the time. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> As the day of the festival approaches, Sayori's usual bittersweet poem is replaced with a dark and morbid note, repeatedly telling someone to get out of her head. When Sayori does not answer the protagonist's text messages, he leaves the club meeting and rushes to Sayori's home, where he discovers that she has hanged herself. The game begins to glitch, and the protagonist wonders if they could have saved Sayori. The game then abruptly ends. Now things begin to get meta. You're kicked back to the main menu, and when you open up your saved files, there are none. The game starts as usual, but what used to be Sayori's text and name is replaced with unreadable text. The game suddenly glitches and restarts, however, Sayori is absent, and any previous references to her are either completely removed or replaced by glitches and meshes of portions of other characters' sprites. Monica instead invites the protagonist to the club. Unsettling events begin to occur. The game rewinds after the protagonist finds Yuri cutting herself, features disturbing bad endings such as Natsuki's neck snapping and refuses to accept dialogue options that do not favor Monica. Yuri becomes increasingly psychotic and obsessive towards the protagonist, brutally insulting Natsuke and Monica and trying to keep the protagonist with her. 
Just before the festival, Yuri presents the protagonist with a stained, illegible poem and apparitions of a faceless Natsuke appear. I don't know how to pronounce any of these names. You're saying them right. Nice. I knew a guy named Yuri once. He was Russian. He was like six foot eight and he went to my karate classes and he could break like entire doors with his hands. Damn. Yeah, he was a fucking monster. He he had like a big, thick Russian accent. Yeah, I would hope so. Like he was like from from the motherland. Like he would like do the dumbest things too. Like he like didn't have a hammer to fix one of the doors that he broke because he's a fucking animal. And like he would like use the log. And we were like, <laughs> Go buy a hammer, you fucking idiot. Or come here, borrow a hammer. He's like, this is basically hammer. This is like hammer, except free and outside. <laughs> like, And doesn't have the metal part, but who needs that? Yeah, his like hand was the size of my face. This guy was huge. Damn. Yeah, and he, he just, he was, he was a big guy. I had to fight him once. I did not win. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you, I did not win. Yeah, I did not win that fight. Anyway. Yuri later confesses her love to the protagonist, then stabs herself to death. Out of grief or excitement, depending on whether the protagonist accepts her confession. Due to another glitch, the protagonist unwittingly spends the weekend sitting by her body. On Monday, Natsuke enters, vomits at the sight of Yuri's corpse, and flees. Monica then appears, apologizes, and deletes the character files for Yuri and Natsuke, causing the game to restart once again. Once again, we are taken to a new file. This time, we are in a classroom, and it's just us and Monica. Monica explains that she is aware that she is a character in a game, and that she is able to manipulate the game's files to alter other characters' personalities or erase them altogether. She admits to making Sayori more and more depressed and amplifying Yuri's obsessive personality to make them more unlikable so the player would focus on her instead having an identity crisis from not being designed as a potential love interest. She confesses her love directly, not to the protagonist, but to the player. Monica will sit and talk to the player indefinitely about various topics until the player manually enters the game's directory and deletes Monica's character file. Upon doing this, the game glitches once more, and Monica panics as she is deleted from the game's world. Monica initially lashes out at the player, but after a pause, she confesses that she still loves the player and expresses regret for everything she has done. Monica then restores the other girls and removes herself from the game. The first and default ending following Monica's removal from the directory, the game starts over again with Sayori, Yuri, and Natsuke all alive, playing out similarly to the initial playthrough. Shortly after meeting everyone, Sayori tells the player that now that she is the president of the literature club, she knows everything about the game and what happened with Monica and intends to do the same thing that Monica did. Monica immediately intervenes once more via text prompt and deletes Sayori to save the player. Monica then speaks audibly to the player and sings a song titled Your Reality to the player while the credits roll and Monica slowly deletes the game. After the credits, the game displays a note from Monica stating that she has disbanded the literature club because there is no happiness in it. Another possible ending may take place if Monica's character file is prematurely deleted before starting a new game, resulting in Sayori becoming the default leader of the club. Upon realizing the true nature of the game and her role in it, Sayori will panic and hijack the controls, deleting all the character files and forcefully closes it. 
Opening the game again will result to a black end screen, followed by an image of Sayori hanging herself. Staying with the screen after 10 minutes will reveal a message, now everyone can be happy. However, an alternate ending may occur if the player has viewed all of the optional scenes in a single playthrough, which requires saving and loading at several points before witnessing Sayori's initial suicide. Sayori instead accepts the nature of her reality and tearfully expresses her gratitude to the player for trying to make all of the girls happy. She bids goodbye, hoping that the player will visit once again sometime and concluding that the girls all love the player before deleting the game herself. After the credits, which also feature your reality, the player is presented with a thank you note from the game's developer, Dan Salvato. So now we're going to go into more theory stuff. And we would like to extend a thank you to Matt Pat of Game Theory and uh, all his sources. Uh, which he mentions his sources, as he always does, because he's very well researched. And I dove into all of those as well. Um, he and there's a billion people on Steam that I could thank for all this. Like, you, you guys really like this fucking game. Yeah. Like, I, there was someone on Steam that compiled all of the sources in one really clean document. Like, I was like, wow, that's a lot of work. <laughs> that's a lot of damage. Um, we use Google Doc. <laughs> so, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, his theory uh, uh, that a new game is coming from Team Salvato because uh, it seems very, very plausible. The theory is that the characters in Doki Doki are actually from a different game. The theory begins with how visual novels work. Monica says that she is manipulating game files for other characters. However, visual novels work off a script and not AI, uh, like more technologically advanced video games. As the game goes on, you get secret poems from the literature club. One of them is particularly strange. It's full of redacted text with a few words not redacted that says nothing is real, question mark. But if you turn up the contrast on it, you can read what the redacted information is. Uh, I will now read what the uh, note says. Irregular heartbeat, heart palpitations, arrhythmia. I search and I search, eyes scanning everything, and I can find their symptoms. What is this? Shortness of breath? Chest pain? Dizziness? No. This is all wrong. Alyssa's symptoms are nowhere near this simple. I've seen it twice now. The screams of pain? Sickening pale skin, vomiting blood. There's no other explanation other that Rainer's information was a complete and utter lie. This can't be all coincidence. It's not possible. I don't know how much of this Rainer is behind, but I do know this. There is something horribly wrong with this family, and I accepted the invitation to become part of it. I can hear Alyssa's screams through the walls now. I listen helplessly. Rainer said that he would be with her shortly. Is he in her room now? Why is she screaming even louder than before? Um, now is where things get uh, really creepy. Uh, so this sounds like it is a doctor trying to figure out what the sickness uh, is that this person has. He also says strange things like this family, which could refer to a physical family, but could also very well refer to a cult, which tends to refer to people as a family. As the person writing mentions that they became a part of it, um, so it's kind of we're kind of leaning towards cult. Uh, it also implies that human experimentation was going on. This leads back to Yuri. 
Yuri wants us to read a book in the game called The Portrait of Markov, uh, which is her favorite book and is depicted as having a single eye on the cover. That will come back. The theory is the plot of The Portrait of Markov is actually the plot for the next game coming out. The dialogue about the book is, and this is Yuri talking, basically, it's about this girl in high school who moves in with her long-lost sister, but as soon as she does so, her life gets really strange. She gets targeted by these people who escaped from a human experiment prison. And while her life is in danger, she needs to desperately choose who to trust. No matter what she does, she ends up destroying most of her relationships and her life starts to fall apart. So already we have human experimentation. However, in the second playthrough, it gets a little bit more dramatic. Yuri says again, Basically, it's about this religious camp that was turned into a human experiment prison, and the people trapped there have this trait that turns them into killing machines that lust for blood. But the facility gets even worse, and they start selectively breeding people by cutting off their limbs and affixing them to... Oh, that might be a little bit of a spoiler. It's fucking dark. Yeah. And very, very specific, and it's one of the only points in the book that is very, very, very... Or book, visual novel, whatever you want to call this fucking thing. That that's very, very specific. Um, the theory goes that these characters all came from that game or are going to be coming from that game. Because I later on subscribed to the theory that that's going to be the next game. But it doesn't matter because um, fucking weird shit. Um, anyway, the theory goes that these characters uh, either come from or are going to come from that game. But it goes even deeper than that. So in the game, there are .chr files, uh, which are obviously not real, that are files for the characters in the game. Using a text editor, you can see what's in them, though. Uh, a lot of Base64 and other things, um, Josh doesn't understand. Um, <clears throat> Yuri's file is a creepypasta and an Easter egg. Natsuki's file is a blonde woman with no eyes. This is theorized to be someone from the other game, possibly Alyssa. Monica has another image that can be transferred into binary, then base 64 again. Uh, it reveals a note that says, can you hear me? Who are you? I can't, I can't see you. But I know you are there. Yeah, you can definitely hear me. You've been watching for a while now, right? I guess I should introduce myself or something. Um, my name is... Actually, that's stupid. You obviously already know my name. Sorry. Anyway, I'm guessing if you were able to put a stop to this, you wouldn't have done it by now. I mean, I know you're not, like, evil or anything, because you've helped me already so, so much. I should really thank you for that, for everything you've done. You're really like a friend to me, so thank you so much. I think, more than anything else, I really don't want it to be all for nothing. Everyone else is dead. Maybe you already know that. I'm sure you do, actually. But it doesn't have to be that way, right? Well, there's a lot of stuff I don't understand. I don't know if it's even possible for me to understand it. But I know that this isn't my only story. I can see that now, really clearly. And I think everyone else has the same kind of experience. Some kind of deja vu. It's the third eye, right? Anyway, I could be totally wrong about this. But I really think you might be able to do something. I think you may be able to go back. Or however you want to put it. To go back and tell them what's going to happen. If they knew ahead of time, then they should be able to avoid it. They should, if they remember their time with me in the other worlds, 
that she would remember what I'd tell them. Yeah, I really think that this might be possible, but it's up to you. I'm sorry for always being, you know. Never mind, I know that's wrong. This is my story. It's time to be a bleeping hero. That's literally how it's typed. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, the, uh, it's four hearts it's and four then hearts an ING. It's four hearts and an ING. Hero. Both of us. It's time to be a fucking hero. Both dinner, of us. Dinner, dinner. So this seems like it was written by Monica and after the events of Doki Doki. This is implied by her talking about there being something that can't be stopped, stopped that has killed everyone else. She also claims that she is experiencing deja vu and comes from somewhere else along with all the others and that we can potentially save them. And obviously the ending implies who the villain would be, the third eye, which has been popping up the entire game. One being a poem called Open Your Third Eye that involves compulsively stabbing someone to death. And what else has an eye on it? The Portrait of Markov. Uh, a book about lusting for blood through human experimentation. However, we do still have one .chr file left, and that is Sayori's. After decoding, we get a QR code for a website called projectlibertina.com. This website just shows plain text, but is full of important lore. It's about experiments being performed on a three-year-old psychic girl named Libertina. There is also another subject with a redacted name that was terminated earlier. This is implied to be Elisa. However, the ending is what helps line it up with the portrait of Markov. The end of the website says, Libertina has not yet recovered from the termination of redacted and is not expected to do so in the near future. Continuing to administer these tests will only accelerate the deterioration of Libertina's health. You are choosing to avoid the measures necessary to prevent a repeat scenario, doctor. Will you not have as much faith in your personnel as you do in your god? In this, uh, in this website, we, we have talks of the cult and the opening of her third eye uh, and the suppression tests that are failed. Uh, this is the story of a girl who was experimented on that gave her an impulse to kill. And it's possible that Libertina could be one of the girls in Doki Doki. And it's heavily implied to be Yuri. There are tra the, there's traits listed on the website. It says... The following occasional behaviors have been noted and should be ignored in future examinations. Twitching, vocal tics, biting, uh, epiphoria, vomiting, screaming, harm to examiner, harm to self, misplaced laughter, and self-harm attempts to be interrupted immediately. These are all traits that Yuki has on her second playthrough. Illuminati confirmed. Fuck this game. And as Jim Sterling would say, thank God for me. <laughs> Yeah, and then like, didn't he like also, if I'm remembering correctly, like, look at their like ages and like, because isn't there like an age? Or am I making that up? It, it, you're not making it up. Here's how I look at Matt Pat's theories. He goes way above and beyond sometimes to the point where you're reaching way too far. Right. So he does go. If you want to know the full video, it's Matt Pat's second video on Doki Doki is what this information on you uh on Yuri is from. And he he goes into like how the date the dates and ages and things match up. But if it's from another game, it's 
gonna be whatever it wants to be. Yeah. I how I look at theory is you have to play within the world you're given. And Matt Pat doesn't always play within the world he's given. He's playing within what fits his narrative. Which is fine. But I don't think that that always leads to the best results. It's like when he did his final FNAF theories. And don't get me wrong. I have the utmost respect for him. He does way more research than I fucking do. And and this is his job. He's very good at it. Yeah. But we differ in how we present research um and do re- and do uh theory for this stuff. I think that like for with this FNAF theory, he picks and chooses what he wants from the books. Whatever fits the narrative that he has set up. Um it's natural. It's not always wrong. It's just I you are given a world to play in. Play in that world. Stepping outside of that means you can enter all t- all kinds of fucking information that isn't could be potentially misleading. So, while I, do I necessarily think he's wrong about that? No, I th- I think that that points in the general direction of it being those characters. However, for all I know, the next game is about giants. Yeah, true. It's about ageless giants that don't exist that like can't die. So. It's, you have to play within the world you're given. Because if you try to play outside of that world, then you, that's where your theory starts to stray. But that's just uh, my opinion, my game opinion. So, <laughs> that makes me happy. And, and like I said, I have the utmost respect for Matt Pat. I like own game theory merchandise. Like I, I really like his content. I just don't always agree with his um, kind of... Uh, where he pulls his research from. But that's just me. And also, that's all I got for Doki Doki, and I never want to talk about this game again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we'll never talk about it again until I, fucking the second The game. Portrait of Markov comes out. Yeah, the second game comes out and everybody explodes. Yeah. We have um, to talk about that. I know a while ago we had someone tweeted us, I think, that we should do this video. 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 This video you're watching. This video you're watching with your ears. Um, I know we had someone tweeted us a while ago about uh, doing this for a podcast. Uh, I hope you are still out there. I hope you don't hate that I hate this. <laughs> um, but uh, at the most, I hope that you enjoyed our coverage. Yeah. Um, and it was a legitimately creepy by the end of it. I'll give you that. Because I, I do like ultra meta ARG level shit. ARGs are my fucking jam. Yeah, they're so fucking. Dope. I'm have such a problem of getting addicted in, into ARGs. Uh, if you don't know what an ARG is, um, uh, augmented reality game. Uh, there's a lot of them on YouTube, and they're really fun and really, really fucking creepy. Like the um, there's a really interesting one on Twitter called uh, "The Sun Went Dark." Holy shit, is that one good? It's like videos posted on Twitter hmm. of like uh, a like this person tweeting like the sun's gone out <laughs> and everything is dark all the time now. And like there's like news things of it. Like the, he's showing like news footage of like the sun's still out. Like oh, the world is ending because there's no light. And then like there's these weird creatures that are just shining lights 
and making like these clicking noises and you're like what the fuck is that but you can't see anything because it's dark it's brilliantly damn it's it's brilliant we we will look up some footage of it later because it's actually a really interesting ARG. but yeah i um love it and like he's tweeting at other people that like are also living in that world yeah, it's yeah. really cool yeah, yeah that's dope um they they can be really fun uh but that's all i got for doki doki literature club forever <laughs> forever <laughs> Uh, as we like to end every episode, Nick, what have you been playing? Uh, I've been playing The Messenger. What do you think? Um, I fucking think it's fucking hilarious. Um, but, okay, so, <clears throat> I'm gonna talk about The Messenger a lot right now. Uh, if you don't want it to be spoiled, just skip ahead. Uh, it's, it's a ninja game, but it's, and it's an indie game, but it's hilarious. Uh, I would recommend taking a look at it, or maybe somebody who does a better review spoiler than than me but and, i'm gonna get into it right and now. nick is gonna tell me all about it because there's no way in hell you can make me play this game yeah no this game's not for you i hate metroidvanias this game's not for you that's that's part of the spoiler it's, it turns into a metroidvania thanks josh is it really it looked like a metroidvania from the start what was uh, it? It, it from the start it's a linear platformer oh is it really yep oh neat and then it turns into a metroidvania see i just thought it was a metroidvania <laughs> It is a 8-bit, a uh, hack-and-slash platformer, where you play as a ninja, uh, whose town is attacked by a demon king and some prophesied savior is supposed to come and save the day. Uh, and he comes and he hands you a scroll and says, you have to take this scroll to the highest peak of the highest mountain, whatever. So then you set off on your journey to do that, and uh, along the way you find a... Uh, a portal to a shopkeeper who's in a mysterious figure in a blue robe and he uh gives you advice guides you on your journey and sells you things but he upgrades you um and he's very funny he's very fourth wally he yeah. very breaks the fourth wall there's a uh, like i said you can upgrade uh i might have mentioned this last podcast but i'm gonna mention it again uh, you collect uh, crystals that are you get from enemies, you get from lanterns a la Castlevania, uh, and <clears throat> just scattered about. And you collect them, and you can trade those in for um, upgrades. And uh, there's a certain point where your character goes, so what are these things that I'm collecting? And the shopkeeper goes, ah, so you're the collect the random floating objects and ask questions later type of person. Um, there's also, you know, at the end of every level before you fight a boss, there's a, there's a save point, and sometimes save points have portals to the shopkeeper. Uh, the, before a boss, it usually does. You can upgrade yourself if you need to. And there's two lanterns on the other side of the portal to get health um, for the boss fight. So you go in, you can ask the shopkeeper, you can, you can chat with him. It's one of the options. You can chat with him. You can, usually about the new area you're in, the boss you're about to fight, an item he just gave you, or he, you can just tell him, ask him if he has any stories to tell you, and he'll just tell you a random story. So when you get to this area, uh, he says that, you know, this is the nicest area you'll visit, take a break, you're on vacation, you get to the door before the boss, and you go, all right, what's the boss like? And he goes, there's no boss. Like I said, you're on vacation, like move along. And you walk out, and go to the boss room and there's no boss and you just walk to the next level. So uh, you, you go through and you get to the base of the mountain you're supposed to climb and you talk with them and you're like, huh, 
my journey's almost over. I'm almost done. And he goes, wow, you haven't watched the trailer for this, have you? And he goes, what? He goes, never mind. <laughs> um, and then when you get to the top, you find a similar, you know, door with two lanterns on either side and you walk in and the shopkeeper's not there. Now there's a, a wardrobe at the end of his room that when you go into the uh, shop the first time, you know, you kind of walk around and see what you can click on. There's a wardrobe. You can obviously click on it, and he tells you not to open the wardrobe. Well, he's not in here, so my first instinct was to go to the wardrobe. So I go over to the wardrobe, and I click on it, and he walks through the port, and he goes, don't touch that, and he walks back out. <laughs> so I click it again, and he comes back in, and he goes, seriously, don't do that, and then walks back out. Click it again. He's like, are we really going to do this? Walks back out. He's like, you're really going to be that guy, and then walks back out. So you keep clicking it, and like he just like... He's like, all right, we're going to do this. And then he goes, um, like he starts, he does through all this dialogue, some of the highlights being, if I say the same thing three times, will you think that I've uh, run out of dialogue? (laughs) To which he repeats the same thing three times. And then if you click the wardrobe again, he goes, damn, I thought that would work. Um, And then you go through more dialogue and he goes, if I start looping back to the beginning of the conversation, will you think this is over? And then he loops back to the beginning of the conversation for a bit. And if you keep going, he's like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, and then he, he uh, there's a point where he says, you know, imagine the person, you know, spending extra time at work coding these lines to have this conversation. Um, and uh, then he gets to the point where he just goes, listen, if, if you keep doing this, I'm just going to start spouting philosophical nonsense and I'm not going to let you skip it. (laughs) So you keep going and he goes, all right, I warned you. And he just sits there for a good, I don't know how long, but like just this huge philosophical story and you have to read all of it. Uh, And then it loops back and it like finally stops. But like the whole endeavor of like clicking to like the begin, the wardrobe the first time to reading all the dialogue was a good 15 to 20 minutes. That's wild. Um, so, so then you, after you deal with that and you actually continue on, you find out that he's outside and you, you hold up the scroll and a castle appears. Uh, and you go inside, you have to like get through some tough platforming and fight a boss. And then they, uh, him and two other figures that look like him say you have to take a leap of faith. You take a leap of faith and you jump down a hole and you're teleported to the future and the future is 16-bit. Uh, oh, that's nice. So you are now 16-bit, and you are more, uh, like, kind of samurai You have a little bit more armor instead of the traditional ninja robes, and you have one of those, uh, like, the, the wide-pointed hats. Oh, cool. So the first time you walk into the shop in the future with your hat, he, uh, you go to talk to the shopkeeper. He goes, wow, that's a nice hat. And, like, you try to have a conversation with him, he goes just like, I really want one of those hats. <laughs> so the next time you go into the, his shop, he's wearing a hat. Oh my God. And you go, huh, that's a, it's a, it's a cool hat you got there. He goes, yeah, I see you. I see. That's why you picked one up too. And you go, no, I had this hat first. And he goes, sure, if that's what you want to tell yourself to make yourself feel better, that's fine. <laughs> um, so you go through a little bit more in 16 bit and then you get to the point where you're back in your village. And the demon's attacking, and another younger ninja is uh, fighting him. And you determine that 
you are now that hero and you're giving, you're passing on the scroll in a loop. And so then you go to, you go back to the time shop and you go, huh, so that was a loop. So what now? And he goes, open the wardrobe. <laughs> so you open the wardrobe and it's just blue robes and you put a robe on and you become the shopkeeper oh no so you become the shopkeeper for the ninja that you passed the scroll to who eventually dies and then the original shopkeeper's like fuck um we have to figure this out and so they like determine that like okay you're just gonna continue on so take the blue robe off yeah take the blue robe off and like Come with us. So then this is when it becomes Metroidvania. You have to go collect things to open a musical note and you go back to other, you go back to levels and open new levels. Um, and you, now there's like portal, there's like time rifts. So like you constantly switch between 8-bit and 16-bit past and future oh, that's to, really neat. To, to get through the levels. Um, so yeah, this, I, it, the Metroidvania part, I feel like I don't hate like Metroidvania, because obviously Hollow Knight became one of my favorite fucking games, but like I feel like it doesn't work super well in this game, and I find it more annoying in this game to like go, okay, I gotta go back through this all the way through this level to get this thing to go get this that to go do this. Like I kind of wish it stayed linear, but like I love the eight bit, sixteen bit past future, and I love the humor. So like that's why I'm still going with it. What what kills me is I, I there's a lot of things I like visually about Metroidvanias and they're usually like some of them are really fucking funny. Then you have games like Ori and the Blind Forest, which is gorgeous. I know, I really need to play that game. It's and then you got games like Hollow Knight, which like I think look really pretty as well, but like on a different level. I just can't fucking stand playing them. I so I, I love watching people play Metroidvanias. Like I'm down with that. I I couldn't get through um GDQ if I didn't like watching people play Metroidvanias. Yeah. I just hate playing Metroidvanias. They piss me off so much. So I, uh, I like hearing about you tell them to just play a bunch of Metroidvanias for me and tell me how much you like them. Yeah, dude, they're great. I mean, like I said, I'm, I'm this. The Metroidvania in this is more frustrating to me than in Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight didn't bother me at all. I fucking loved every second of Hollow Knight. You did. Uh, I loved that world and everything about it. Uh, but I mean, I like this one too. I like the, I think the eight bit, 16 bit thing is really cool. And I think the, the humor is really fucking funny. Cause like sometimes you can like do fourth wall shit and just be annoying, but like just like him saying he lost my hat. And then the next time I see him, he's wearing the hat. I fucking lost my mind. And just like the whole wardrobe thing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> you were sitting next to me when you did the wardrobe yeah, thing after I was we crying. recorded last week and we were dying. I don't even remember what I was playing. I was playing Dead by Daylight. Oh, yeah, I think you were. Um, but uh, Pokemon Go. Uh, Pokemon Go. We are in our psychic event. So the psychic shit. I think it just ended. It ends the fourteenth. So because like right now they're days. doing a whole female thing. Couple days. It the uh, yeah. So this is gonna matter when you hear this because I'm pretty sure when you hear this the psychic event will be over and the female one will be over because the female event is only for a day. Um. So the psychic event, like we said last week, has a bunch of psychic stuff boosted and a shiny drowsy, which I caught today. You're a cunt. Uh, and they, for today, they also have a female event, which a bunch of female Pokemon are boosted. So female Ninoran, uh, female Pikachus, female Wobbuffets, because uh, there is a difference in the way they look. And they also added shiny Ninoran uh, female. Yeah. 
Um, I'm just really mad at you because you flaunted it. I don't care. <laughs> uh, I don't think anything else. Oh, there's like, oh, so they, there's a new update coming for the game and uh, people tear down the, the files for it and they found all the data for Gen 4 in it. So Gen 4 is imminent. They also put out another trailer for Melton, Melton, and don't it, you mean Zygarde? Yeah, it's basically Zygarde. <laughs> He's basically Zygarde, where like the Melton we know is like the core for the cores of Zygarde, and then they fused to to, to Big Boy. Um, and it seems, um, my theory of how we're gonna get it is, you trade stuff from Pokemon Go to Pokemon Let's Go when that comes out. You get a gift in Pokemon Let's Go from, from doing that. Uh, opening the gift appears to release some kind of mist shit, kind of like an incense uh, that will attract Melton to you, uh, and then you can catch them. Uh, that's my theory from looking at uh, stuff on their official website. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, I've just been playing a boatload of Dead by Daylight. Um, it's October. I like weird things. Uh, I've been uh, fucking people shit up in Dead by Daylight. Uh, I've been playing a lot of uh, The Shape, aka Michael Myers. I've been playing a lot of The Huntress, which is an original killer. And uh, when I just feel like trolling people, I've been playing uh, The Nightmare, which is Freddy Krueger. Uh, I almost exclusively play killer. Actually, I exclusively play killer. Not almost. I only ever play the fucking killer in that game. So... I, yeah, I've been having a blast. I've been really doing good with Michael. Like, you came in while I was in the middle of a Michael game, and I just wrecked. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Like, I don't... Don't fuck around. I don't fuck around with Michael. Plus, Evil Within, which is uh, Michael's power, is kind of busted. Yeah. It's... The hard part Mm. is stalking. So if you don't know Dead by Daylight, uh, every killer has power, like, works differently. Although, the basic gameplay mechanics are the same so michael has this thing called evil within and you hold a button to stalk uh what happens when you stalk is you can see people highlighted and you just look at them (laughs) i'm not kidding um and as you look at them you build up a meter uh and it goes into three tiers once it hits third tier you are at what's called evil within three each tier you get more and more powerful you get slowly faster and stuff once you hit third tier the big thing you get is normally in Dead by Daylight, it takes two hits to down someone. One, you injure them. The second, they'll go down, and then you can hook them. But if you're evil within three, it's an immediate down. So you find someone, stab them, pick them up, meat hook them. It takes like a second. It, it takes so little time. So the other day, I was playing on the Saw map, and I was playing against a, uh, like a full group four. And these two idiots let me get evil within, within, evil within tier three, within like the first minute. And then I downed them both, found the other two before evil within three went down, uh, downed them both, hooked everyone, and the game was over in five minutes. It was outrageous. And then I had a game the other day where I was like playing the nightmare, and the nightmare's mechanic is no one can see you. It's Freddy Krueger. No one can see you. Um, they can hear like a, a lullaby when you're close by, but they can't physically see you. However, you, have, you can't physically interact with them. You have to put them to sleep first. You, your ability is you just shoot out 
sand, like Sandman. Sandman sand. And the uh, they'll uh, fall asleep, and then once they're asleep, they're in the dream world, and you can interact with them. It's awful, <laughs> but like it's really trolly. Like you just fucking just follow people around, and I'm like, you can't do nothing. Can't do shit. Um, yeah, just things like that. Played a little bit of Leatherface just because I like Leatherface, but he's really simple and straightforward. He's got a chainsaw. Are you surprised? Um, Are you shocked? And then I think I want to start playing some more of The Pig, which is from the Saw franchise. Um, once she, she can sneak and like sneak around and stuff, which is the only uh, killer that can do that. But once she downs someone, she puts a trap on their head and you have to find the key that unlocks the trap. Or I'll, like, as soon as a generator hits, uh, it'll start a timer on the thing. Or if you try to escape, like, run through the place, if the survivor tries to escape, which is the goal of the survivor, and they still have one of those traps on, it's an insta-kill. Oh my god. It's fucking... And, like, if you don't have the time, if you don't get the key in time, it's an insta-kill. You have a lot of time to do it once the generator starts, but still, like, there's some pressure on you. Yeah, that's pretty dope. Yeah, it's just, like... Kind of cool. Uh, I I usually play as the Hollywood killers as opposed to the original ones, although the Huntress is really fun. She just runs around singing a Russian lullaby and throwing axes, and I'm just like, okay, bayoshki bayou all you want, I guess. <laughs> um, We're fucking doing this. But uh, other than that, I think that's all I've been playing. Um, but a little bit of killing for, but yeah, I wasn't feeling it. They usually do really cool events around Halloween and Christmas, but there was like no one online. I was like, oh, no one cares anymore. No one plays this game. Okay. Um, D&D Corner, you uh, finished the winery? Yeah. Saved the wine. Saved the wine. Uh, Nick got a very particular met up with a part of the Martikov clan that he hadn't met before. So now he's interacted with all of them and helped all of them. And they gave him a spell that allows him to summon a raven. Uh, we went back to camp. Um, and then you guys uh, left that. Uh, the I never fucking told you guys yesterday, but she snuck off to go with you guys. Uh, Arabella. And you had Piddlewick. And now you are at the, for lack of a better term, Dragon Mansion. Bunch, yeah. of, bunch of encounters along the way. Uh, our bard, who this is her first time playing D&D &D and it's taken her a while to warm up, is really starting to warm up to it, asking really good questions and stuff. And I was just like, this is fucking nice. Yeah, good for you. Um, and now you're, you're just in the mansion dealing with that. Yep. Uh, it wasn't a super exciting... No, not a whole lot happened. Not a whole lot happened. It's pretty a lot of straightforward shit. Yeah, but you, you guys are also, like, getting closer and closer to the end. I... Yeah, of, of at least my Strahd campaign, because I'm really looking forward to Waterdeep at this point. Yeah, me too. I, I think we're all looking forward, because we all, I, I opened up the door to homebrews, uh, as long as they're uh, approved by the DM. And I, um, so, like, I know that our, uh, our friend Casey, who is, shout out to Casey, who's never gonna listen to this episode. Uh, I, uh, she she's our normally our rogue. She is going to be playing a six year old child using the uh, Wayfarer class that is on uh, DM's Guild, and it's a really well made class and a lot of fun. So she's gonna be a six year old child who can summon a giant dog, <laughs> like a yeah. 
a, like a like a Cerberus, but like she can't do any real attacks, which is why she's like, I want to play a little girl. I was like, actually, that's kind of dope. Yeah, that's um, well. Yeah, so like you're all playing really really interesting stuff and stuff. I super super support. Um, my D and D obsession of the week, I mean, uh, character concept is uh, Iron Giant, uh, Warforged play Warforged Barbarian and have it written into them that when they go into Barbarian Rage, it kind of is like a almost a programming thing, and then they um, I I would go the Zealot route because you can do things by the time that you're done, like level 14 Zealot. You can just, if, if, like level 14 Zealot Barbarians, if they hit 0 HP while in Rage, just keep going. <laughs> it's, it's very robotic to me. So I was just like, oh, this would be really cool to play as a Warforged. So yeah, that's, that's my new character idea and obsession. Warforged are just interesting. You could play like a Juggernaut Warforged. Which yeah, like, Warforged is really cool. Which are like massive, and as a Barbarian, you get plus one con, and if you play Juggernaut, or you get plus one as a Warforged, and if you, you get plus one to con as a Warforged, and if you go Juggernaut, which is the sub-race, you get plus two to strength. Welcome to being a Barbarian. The two stats you need the highest are strength right. and con. <laughs> right. So, I, it works really, really well for being a Barbarian, and I think, like, kind of, I, I thought for a moment, like, the Storm Herald but, like, to me, the Storm Herald feels more druidic and less... Because, like, it wasn't... There wasn't a lot of lightning-based stuff in it. There was a little bit. But to me, like, it's more druidic with a barbarian twist on it than it is, like, in Zealot, like, by its name, sound like you're, you're doing this because you're so zealous. You're so at tune with whatever your... causes your rage, gives you the, your power, that, like, you can keep going and going and going. Even when like you're literally dead, you're just like too angry, gonna keep going. But I feel like that also works really well as Warforged because you're not biological, you're a construct. So, and unfortunately, if I were to go Juggernaut, I couldn't get Integrate Tool, <laughs> so I couldn't be a fucking Transformer. But which is the only downside. But but still worth it. And um, the uh, Warforged get pretty decent armor just naturally. Yeah, they get insane armor naturally. Um, so I wouldn't even have to worry about the barbarian thing of getting armor. Because I wouldn't even wear armor anyway. Right. So. Because barbarians just don't. They just don't wear armor. Dude, Thurok was running around with, like, cloth pants on. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, he, he was, like, I think that, like, Thurok is the name of my half-orc barbarian that I'm obsessed with and in love with. He, he was running around with, like, like, next to nothing on. Just like in these winter wastes, just like, don't give a fuck. I'm going to yell at things until they are dead. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to uh, trying that out at some point. Um, my other D&D game has been going really fucking good, but I don't talk about that really on this show because um, spoilers, I, I actually have a game that I play in as well. Yeah. That's like really role play heavy. I play a, a Triton warlock named Damas. Damas Adelnoth. And uh, right now I'm really good friends with a paladin who doesn't know I'm a warlock that serves a great old one. It's a pretty great dynamic. I, um, it's just hilarious. It's interesting. Uh, not even hilarious. It's just interesting. He thinks I'm a wizard. It's pretty great. Um, check us out on social media. We are on both Instagram and Twitter at Navi underscore Tales. Again, that is at Navi underscore Tales. 
Send us pictures of you listening to us on Spotify. We're on Spotify now. We tell your friends, tell your mother, tell your aunt, tell your hot sister. We would like all of them to hear. Tell your hot brother. Because, like, we don't discriminate here. Like, if you, like, tell your hot brother and then they send us pictures of how hot they are on Instagram, like, okay. Yeah, it's going to make my day. Yeah, it's going to be pretty fucking cool. It's going to be a great day. So, yeah, just do that. Um, and So, until then, we'll see you. Bye. Love you. Call me. The protagonist then meets the other members of the group. Natsuki. Yuri and the club present president. Mm. The protagonist then meets the other members of the group club. Fuck you. <laughs> the protagonist. Fuck. Yuri later confesses her love to the protagonist, then stabs herself to death. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> it's such a dumb way to kill yourself. Fucking asshole. <laughs> it's so... Oh, it's so dramatic. <laughs> you fucking can't even... I don't know why this is so funny to me. <sighs> Yuri later confesses her... <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> oh, shit. Yuri later confesses her love to the protagonist, then... (laughs) (laughs) Yuri later confesses her love to the protagonist, then stabs herself to death. Out of grief or excitement. (laughs) You had to do that with your eyes closed. (laughs) I'm fully concentrating on not laughing. (sighs) On Monday, Netsuke enters, vomits at the sight of Yuri's corpse. Oh my god. Nick, you've never watched a horror movie with me, have you? No. It's basically me going, this is fucking awesome, and laughing the entire time. I just am a monster. I don't know what to say. Uh, I'm not surprised. On Monday. (laughs) On fucking Monday. Did you go see The Incredibles 2 with all of us? Yeah. Remember when we were in the theater and it was a real emotional kind of Disney or Pixar short? Yes. <laughs> and he, and she eats the kid. She eats the kid. It's the it's the dumpling short for for those who don't know. You could look up the Pixar dumpling short and watch it. But spoilers, um, she she eats the kid. Now I just want to preface this with I've had several drinks by this point. We are in a theater that is dead fucking silent. Like, just reel into this fucking short. And she eats the kid, and my fucking inappropriate ass just starts dying. Oh my god. I was, like, the first person in that theater to laugh at that. Yeah, you were. Some other people, like, eventually started laughing, too, because it's absurd. But it was so funny. It's supposed to be emotional, but I just laughed my ass off. I know. It's fucking great. It's fully, it's full. 
it's full of redacted text that sorry with <clears throat> yeah i just fucking this this got a little bit for lack of a better term manic while i typed it so just excuse my fucking things there's also another subject with a redacted name that was terminated earlier 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 so yes uh it's a 8-bit it starts as an 8-bit linear uh, hack-and-slash platformer where you are a ninja. Your town is attacked by... Will you stop hitting the table? That makes so much noise because these fucking mics pick up everything. They're super fucking I dropped sensitive. my phone and I wanted to get my phone. So I thought I'd just fucking murderate the table real quick. Where were you? Uh... <laughs> Speaking of cake, remind me later to tell you what I plan on doing with cake this weekend. Um, okay. I, I, I mean, I could, I could tell you now. Just so Daniel's proposing to Vicky this weekend. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and wants the three of us to be at the house after. Mm-hmm. And I go, what the fuck do I do when you guys get back? Am I going to, I'm going to get you guys a cake. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? What do I do with that? What are you, you going to put on it? Um, Vicky's favorite case, cake is Death by Chocolate no, from that's, Greg's. That's fine. Are you going to write anything on it? Congrats on fucking up. I don't, like, what do I do? Like, <laughs> I, I don't have, I now don't have any plans on Saturday like I thought I was going to. Here's because, a cake. Yeah, but, like, I'm going to get something out of this experience. If that means I need to go buy a fucking cake, so be it. Congrats on your end. This cake was cheaper than that ring. Okay. Hopefully your marriage lasts longer than the cake. <laughs> okay. But seriously. 